Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Praise the Lord. So we've been doing a sermon series called, This is My Testimony. We've had some amazing testimonies. At the end of every sermon, we've played a video clip of somebody's testimony, and I've loved each and every one of them. Just to let you know, we had another maybe eight or nine that we couldn't show on Sundays. That's how many we had people coming and volunteering. And you'll be able to see those on the website, the ones that we didn't get to show on a Sunday morning. Um, And I want to thank everybody who gave those testimonies. But I also want to encourage us to say, let's keep giving testimonies. Amen? Let's keep doing this. It's so helpful and powerful. And we've learned in this series that it's not just a human exercise in saying a story, but God gets involved. The Old Testament word for testimony comes from a word that means do it again. And when I tell a testimony, God floods in, faith and and enlightenment happens in the person who's hearing it. I am changed and encouraged. God's presence comes in, and that person says, wow, God can do that. God wants to do that, and faith is born, and he does it again. It's the most miraculous thing. In Luke 24, there were two people who saw Jesus. They were walking on the road to Emmaus on the day that he rose again. And as they were having communion with him, their eyes were opened, and they realized it was him. And they ran back immediately to Jerusalem, to the room where all their disciples were. And they said, and while we were having communion with him, he appeared and we saw him. And it says in Luke 24, while they were saying those words, Jesus appeared in the room to everybody, the disciples. Because as we give a testimony, God does it again. It's amazing. So let's be bold. Amen. But now I want to just change tack a little bit. We've only got two more weeks, this week and next week of our testimony series, and then after that we've got something very exciting for three weeks, three weeks focusing on prayer and worship in our Sunday services. The sermon is not going to be the main thing. We're going to have a little bit of sharing the word, but it's going to be us praying, prophesying, listening to God, and just sensing where God is taking us. Three weeks, three weeks of prayer is a powerful thing. If we can set aside three weeks to pray, to seek the Lord's face, anything can happen in your life, in Jersey, in the world around us, powerful things. And I'm very, very expectant for those three weeks. But we've just got these two weeks left of this series. And today I want to show you something very exciting. So 1 John 5 verse 9 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. So that's an interesting verse. It says, yes, we can hear human testimonies, and they're great. It's not saying they're bad. It's like saying they are brilliant, amazing, jackpot, wonderful, powerful things. The witness, the testimony of a human being, powerful, beautiful, extraordinary, But there's something even greater, and it's called the witness of God or the testimony of God. And he says, God has testified of his son. 
In other words, there are words that God has said about his son and God showed us his son. There was Jesus came to earth. So he, God gave a testimony about himself. And what this says is, yes, your human testimony is good, necessary, powerful, important. But if you can add God's testimony into your testimony, it's greater. Let's read on. Verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. So what it says is once I believe in Jesus... Something miraculous happens inside me. The Bible says I'm born again. But that testimony of God, God's testimony, gets put inside me so that when I share my testimony, it kind of starts to come out automatically. God's greater testimony comes out as well. Now listen, verse 11. This is the important verse. And this is the testimony. He's about to define it. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Let me read that again. This is the testimony. God has, past tense, given, not we don't earn it, it's a gift, eternal life, heaven forever, and this life is in his Son. And then verse 12, he just expands on that a bit. He says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So let me clarify what I'm saying. When you give your testimony, not if, I'm going to say when. When you give your testimony, if you're a believer, which you would be if you're giving your testimony, God's testimony, his words about Jesus are already in you, And they should come out automatically, but you can try and add them in, weave them into your testimony, because they're greater than your testimony. And this is the summary of God's testimony, which you can include in yours. God has, past tense, given as a free gift, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you do not have life. Now, just to illustrate this more or to make it slightly more helpful to you, we've put a a little piece of paper on your seat. It's called the Romans Road to Salvation. The Romans Road to Salvation. Why is it called the Romans Road? Because we are just using Bible verses from the book of Romans. And it's called the Romans Road because it leads people on a journey to understand what salvation is. The Romans Road to salvation. And it is one of the most simple ways to explain the gospel using Bible verses to anyone. The Romans Road to salvation. And we are trying to give you the tools to be able to weave or include God's testimony with your testimony, because then you've got a super-powered mixture. Now, I'm going to just go through these verses very quickly today, and I 
I want to say that I am certain that even in this room, there will be people who will say, what? That doesn't sound right. And out there in the world, there will be the majority of people who will say, that doesn't sound right. Because although the gospel is so simple, it is so misunderstood. And this is the essential elements of the gospel just from the book of Romans so that you can always go back to it and say, you know what? I know at least the Romans wrote to salvation, the very, very basic essentials of the gospel. And on the other side of the pages, the Romans wrote after salvation, which again is four points from the book of Romans on how we live as Christians after we are saved. Friends, I know this is simple stuff. Some of you probably know this already. And it's not new to you, and it's not kind of a, you know, a light bulb moment. But if we can't get this right, all of us together, and as the Christian church sharing it with the outside world, we really are going to struggle with everything else in Christianity. Amen? This is the bottom line. This is the most basic presentation of the gospel. Why am I saying this? So that you can weave it into your testimony. But we need to say, I as a believer know the very, very basic gospel so that I can share it with others and so that I'm not confused when other people tell me, no, that's not the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You need this extra thing in the gospel. The gospel is simple. But it's just these points. So, the Romans wrote to salvation. First verse is Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Imagine yourself, you walk into the supermarket in St. Helier, and you're buying bread, and your friend comes, and you start telling them something about how God has worked in your family or in your life, and you want to throw in this fact, and you say, you know, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even if they're a churchgoer, they will say something. So on the left, there's a column that says what people think. They will say something like, I'm going to heaven because God loves everyone except maybe Hitler. Friends, I promise you they will say this. It's not a debate. I know they will say this because the majority of the world thinks everyone is going to heaven. Or they'll say, because I live in a Christian country or because I've been christened, I'm going to heaven. I promise you the world thinks everyone is going to heaven except Hitler. That's the fact. What does the Bible say? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the exact opposite of what everyone else thinks. Everyone thinks I'm a Christian. I live in a Christian country. I was christened as a baby. Everyone's a Christian. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Put it another way, if nothing happened, if everyone just was born, lived their lives and died without making any response to God, Everyone would be, die and go to separation, to hell, away from God. Everyone. There's no one who can make it. Next verse. For the wages, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, this is Bible. You know, people may come back to you and they say, yes, but that's your opinion. And we need to say, you know what? God has given us a book of his words, his truth, and it is true. Not what people think, not what the majority of society thinks. God says what requires, what is required for salvation. And the second verse is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages versus a gift is one concept in that verse. You know, wages is something you earn. If you're good enough and you work hard enough, you earn something. But a gift is something that you don't earn. It's just given to you for free. And if you include this verse when you're sharing with someone, they will say something like, I'm going to heaven because I'm spiritual. I do more good than bad. I believe in God or I go to church. In other words, they're saying it's wages. I go to church. I'm good. I'm more good than bad. I've earned it. It's wages. And we need to say the wages of sin, because we've all sinned, is death. But heaven is a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It has to be a gift. And that is a concept that 90-something percent of the world do not understand. They think people get to heaven by being more good than bad. Isn't that true? I'd be as bold as to say even in this room many of us think that. We think you get to heaven by being good or by going to church or by earning it somehow. And the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. Has to be a gift. Third verse, Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has made a way for us to be saved. couple of points. Let me read that verse again. God demonstrates his love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Number one, it's a past tense action. It's not something I need to earn or attain. And if I've done enough good things or more good things than bad things, then I'll get to heaven. No, no. Christ died in the past when I was still a sinner not because I'd done anything good to deserve it. It's in the past, and then Christ died for us. And this is an important point. Jesus' death on the cross was not because of a mistake in Roman law. It wasn't because he had done anything wrong. The only reason God in human form was dying was to pay for your sins and my sins, the sins of the whole world. Most people do not understand this. Most people watch funerals or weddings on TV when royalty die or get married, and they hear the priest saying things like, you know, because you were, because you were christened, you are in heaven, or something like that, and they get a stupidly wrong idea that that's not how we get to heaven. And we need to say these verses, Christ died for us. That's the only way we can get to heaven. Another way of putting this is if you said to somebody, <clears throat> imagine you died today and you were standing in front of the gates of heaven and the person at the gate said, why should I let you in? What would you say? If you say 
anything like I went to church, I was good, I helped people, I gave money, I prayed, I believed God existed. If you say anything other than Christ died for my sins, you have missed Christianity. And then the last part of the Romans road to salvation, Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is where in the Romans Road we say, you can receive this gift and know that you are going to heaven. You see some people say, Oh, spiritual things, nobody knows if they're going to heaven. We all hope we're going. We think maybe we're good enough. Nobody really knows. But the Bible says you can know. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then we can say to them, You can pray this prayer right now. God, I know that I have sinned against you and am deserving of punishment. But Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him, I can be forgiven. I now place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful gift of eternal life. I am yours. Amen. Friends, that is, that is the gospel. That is God's testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life, even if they're the most moral good person in the world. It has to be a gift. Now, can I just ask you, please, I know I'm belaboring this point, Please, can you make sure your thinking lines up with God's word? Please. If you've got other ideas, or your auntie, or your, your clever brother, or somebody has a different idea, say, no, I'm going to believe God's word. Not all these other theories. God's word is true. And then if we include that in our testimony, the Bible says it's greater than your own testimony. Let me just quickly go through the Romans road after salvation. Number one, Romans 6 verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You see, the wrong thinking is people think, if I'm a Christian, then nothing needs to change in my life. I can put up my hand in a meeting. I can believe. I can say I believe. But nothing will change. But the Bible says I've got a new master. I used to be enslaved to the devil and to sin, but now I'm a slave of God and righteousness, and so there must be a change in my life. This, again, is a concept that so many people don't understand. They think, I can just live like the rest of the world. I can be exactly the same as I used to be, or exactly the same as everyone else around me, and I'm a Christian, but actually the Bible gives a test. He speaks in uh, Corinthians. Paul says, Test yourself to see if you're a Christian. And the 
The way you get saved is by believing, but if you've believed, something will change inside you, and you cannot carry on living the way you used to live. And so the test is, am I the same as I used to be? Am I living the same sin as everyone around me, or am I changing? And if I'm not changing, I need to say there's something wrong with my salvation. Number two, Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Some people feel condemned wrongly. Their conscience is overactive, and Jesus has forgiven them, and their life is changing, but they still feel guilty, and they still think, I'm not saved, I'm not saved. I didn't have the amazing experience that I thought someone else said I should have had. And actually, we need to trust God's word. He says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven not because I'm good, but because of Jesus' sacrifice for me. And we need to discipline our mind to think according to God's word instead of according to our feelings. Number three, Romans 12, verse four. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Some people think, I can be a Christian, but I don't need to be with other Christians. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to fellowship, worship with other people. It's just me and Jesus. And the Bible says, no, you're members with other people of Christ's body. And there has to be some kind of real relationship with a local group of Christians. And then the last one. Some people think there's nothing I need to do to grow as a Christian. It'll just happen automatically. But Romans 12 verse 1 says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I present myself to God as a living sacrifice and I allow his word to renew my mind, I read it, I take it in, I repent where I've thought wrongly, and I change my life. God changes me, and I'm not conformed to what the world is like. I'm transformed into what God wants me to be like. I'm going to ask you to focus on Jesus right now, not on me. Just focus on Jesus. Say, Lord, have I believed your gospel Or have I believed my own gospel? Lord, have I been proud enough to think that my thoughts are better than your Bible? Lord, have I been deceived by other people or crowd opinion? Jesus, I'm sorry. And today I choose to align my thoughts and my opinions and my ideas with yours. Lord, I want your testimony, your truth, your gospel to fill and invade me. You promised, Lord, that if I believe in you, your testimony is in me. And I pray, Lord, that it would fill me so much that it comes out when I share my story with other people, that those verses come out. Lord, I pray that we as a church would be so secure and sure of the very basics of the gospel. Lord, that we wouldn't be deceived like the rest of the world, that we would understand the basic elements of salvation. Lord, even now, please show me if there's something in my life or in my thinking 
where I have not understood or accepted your basic gospel. Just let him show you right now. And if you sense something, just say, sorry, Lord, I chuck out that wrong idea. And I choose your truth right now. Just say it to him in your heart right now. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I have not trusted in Christ the way this says for my salvation. I have not trusted this gospel. I've trusted something else. And today I want to pray this prayer to make sure that I have simply trusted God's word. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer today. God, I know that I have sinned against you and am deserving of punishment. But Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him I can be forgiven. I now place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful gift of eternal life. I am yours. Amen. Lord Jesus, please settle it in our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, come like a dew, like a mist, like a rain upon us right now. Friends, just open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now. He's coming with cleansing, with refreshing, with life, with peace, with joy, maybe wiping away pain, maybe wiping away years of bitterness, hurts, unforgiveness, whatever it may be. Just open your heart. Just say to him, Lord, please, come Holy Spirit. Cleanse me and fill me right now. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.